So this very interesting book, small book, the book of Jude, it's, there's a lot in this for us to talk about today and want to jump right in. Jesus is revealed in the book of Jude as the unbreakable truth. He is the unbreakable truth. You cannot break who Jesus is. And when you and I devote ourselves to following Christ, we surrender to who he truly is. He wasn't just a great teacher, wasn't just an inspiring man. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God who came and fulfilled all of these crazy prophecies, 330 prophecies of the first coming of the Messiah. Jesus didn't fulfill half of them. He fulfilled every single one of them. It is an absolute statistical improbability. I know of university professors that run that probability with their high, you know, advanced mathematics research and so on. It's so intriguing when you start looking at all the evidence for that. Jesus is who he says he is, and when you and I surrender to him as the Messiah who has come to rescue humanity, to rescue us from our sin, I want to address sin today, rescue us from our sin, then we are awakened to the reality that no matter where you've been, no matter what you have done, the unbreakable truth of the redeeming Christ exists within your soul, and he will take everything that's ever happened in your life and use it for God's glory if you're willing to allow him to have control. Come on, that's what we want him to do in every one of our lives. So Jude speaks from a unique perspective in, in the book of Jude. He's half-brother to Jesus. He was addressing false teachers that were leading people astray in the church of that particular hour. His declaration was simply this, and I want to say this with, with real clarity. Jude was declaring, stand strong and let God's goodness be the prevailing story of encouragement in the lives of other people. Stand strong. Church, stand strong. Don't waver. Be unwavering. Stand strong. The unbreakable truth, Jesus, exists within you. Do not bend. Do not bow. Stand strong and let God's goodness be the prevailing story of encouragement in the lives of those around you. And we see in Jude, verse 24, just one chapter, uh, verse 24, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. I mean, we could just stop there. That in and of itself is tremendous. Jesus, the unbreakable truth, is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence, would you say, without fault and with great joy. Let's say all that together. Without fault and with great joy. One more time. Without fault and with great joy. And he goes on, verse 25, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. People were questioning if Jesus really is who he said he was. People were asking questions about what Jesus' role was, and maybe there are more than more ways and avenues for us to get to heaven. Let's revisit and reconsider what the law's role is in our lives and what other people's, you know, inside and input. No, Judas here saying, Jesus was, is, and forever will be. Let me make it very clear. Jesus is the kingpin central revelation around which the kingdom of God dwells and around which you and I exist. It is a no compromise truth. He's the unbreakable truth. He's the only way for us to have access into heaven to God our Father. And I love this, it says, God will take you into his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Without fault, 
with grace. How many of you know when you step out from condemnation, you discover incredible joy? It's an important element, and we're going to see that today. But I love this first part. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Do you believe that statement? You should. It's 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. It's an amazing verse of Scripture. What a challenging paradigm. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Do you believe Jesus is able to keep you from stumbling? I mean, I know you're not hearing preaching much like this the day that we're living in because everybody's focused so much on grace and how grace covers our sin. And let me just say, I'm so thankful for the amazing grace of God and grace does cover our sin, but grace is not a license for us to continue to perpetuate sin. Grace actually teaches us to say no to ungodliness. If you look at Scripture, grace is there to liberate you, not to keep you tangled up in a bunch of mess. Come on, be free today. And there was this abuse of grace message in Jude's day, and that's a lot of what he was addressing in this particular book. He's able to keep you from stumbling. Has anyone here ever stumbled before? Like you fell down on your face. Has anyone ever done that before? Who has actually fell on your face? Let me just see. Praise God. It's good to know we're in a room full of imperfect people. How many of you not just physically stumbled, but how many of you have spiritually stumbled before, fell on your face spiritually? This is the thing that I've learned. Like, I don't know if you've ever done it before, but, you know, you, you, you're walking along, and then you stumble, and then you just try, uh, I meant to do that, right? What happens is you make your stumble kind of into a dance. This is what Jesus does in our lives. He takes every stumble and turns it into a dance that inspires the people around us to realize stumbling is just a part of dancing with God, and he will sustain us through the stumble if we'll allow him to turn it into a dance. And this is your first blank. God is so amazing, he turns the times we stumble into a beautiful dance that will inspire the lives of other people. I mean, I, I have a history. I have a past. You have a history. We, you have a past. We have a history. We have a past. God doesn't want us to hide our past. God wants us to unveil our past. You're going to see that with greater clarity than perhaps you have ever seen that before in your entire life today. When I went to Africa years ago, I had to get these series of shots, and one of those shots, they warned me, was a living vaccination for yellow fever. And they said, it is highly likely that you are going to have a fever and will have a, a touch of yellow fever as a result of this immunization. That night, I, I actually went to one of our games for our school, and I remember sitting in the bleachers next to Mr. Howard, and my eyes started getting hot, and my body started aching, and I was draped over just thinking, I feel awful. What is wrong with me? And I realized a little bit of yellow fever was starting to creep into my bloodstream. And this is what you need to understand. You know why that happened? Immunization gave me a little bit of yellow fever. This is why, and I hope you'll get this. A brief exposure to what would normally kill you creates strength within you to conquer that sickness. A brief exposure to what would normally kill you creates strength within you to conquer that sickness. Now, the devil is likened to a serpent. And if you ever are bitten by a snake, then you have to get the antidote for the venom that came from the snake. There's an antidote that comes. When you're bitten by a serpent and the venom is in your system, there's an antidote that, that you need to be able to break free from the effects of the bite of the serpent. 
See, the devil is like a serpent, and he wants to take control of your life. He wants to bite you and take control of your life. The devil is like a serpent, and he wants to bite you and take control of you. Listen very carefully. The devil is like a serpent, and he wants to bite you and take control of your life. But there is an anti-venom. How many of you have ever been bitten by Satan before? Every single one of us were part of fallen humanity. There is an anti-venom. His name is Jesus, and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, He who knew no sin became sin. He who knew no sin became sin in order that you and I might experience the power of God and break free with that immunization of Jesus, changing everything about the blood that flows through it. Come on, somebody. The blood that's flowing through our veins. It's the blood of righteousness. It's the blood of anointing. It's the blood of power. He who knew no sin. Jesus had to get a touch of that sin. He didn't know any sin. Sin killed him but couldn't hold him because it was an injustice that took place because the wages of sin is death. And because he never sinned, he didn't deserve to die. Therefore, when sin touched him, he actually came back at that sin in a place of strength. Suddenly, he became the cure in this world for sin. You and I are created in the image of God, called to follow the example of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this or not. When we follow the example of Jesus, and we embrace our past as the part of the plan to produce an antivenom in our lives that will cure the lives of others who face the things resembling what we have faced before, we're following the example of Jesus. See, the problems and the pain of your past become purposed when you place them in the hands of God. You are not to hide your past. You are to unveil your past. You are to put your past in the hands of Jesus, and Jesus then will start to communicate to all the world. If I can use her mess, I can use yours. If I can use his mess, I can see you become a cure. Next blank, sometimes God redeems our past by surrounding us with people who need to hear our story so our past never becomes their future. So our past becomes the antivenom of where the serpent's trying to bite them and they break free into a place. Your struggles actually produce your strength. I promise you there is a download from heaven happening in this room right now to awaken something in our hearts to cause us to get out of that condemnation. Do you remember that verse of Scripture? And I had you repeat it, and we said in agreement that without fault there is great joy. Without fault there is great joy. Your struggles produce your strength. And God says in His Word, in your weakness you're made strong. Why do we hide our struggles and run from our weaknesses when that's actually right where God wants to work? That's where we get touched by sin, but we don't cooperate with sin. We don't embrace sin. We don't let it wrestle us to the ground and hold us down. We surrender that moment to Jesus. He then empowers us and causes us to become the anti-venom of where the serpent is trying to bite other people's lives. You are a weapon in the hand of God. Your past is not something to be ashamed of. Your past is a weapon in the hand of God. The devil cannot use your past against you as a weapon when you put it in the hands of Jesus 
Because Jesus uses it against him as a weapon. Mm, walk the dog, Bishop. Uh, think about this. Jonah was sent by God to address the disobedience of Nineveh. Do you track me? Jonah was sent by God to address the disobedience of Nineveh. Did you know Abraham, in the midst of being told that he and Sarah were going to have a baby, the Bible says that he prayed for somebody, a couple who could not have a baby, and they had a baby? It's a really interesting part of his story. What right did he have to pray for somebody in an area that he was struggling with himself? Jonah, Jonah was asked by God, called by God, to go to Nineveh and address in Nineveh disobedience. And Jonah disobeyed. Jonah ran the wrong way. How in the world can God use somebody who walked in disobedience to address disobedience because they were touched by disobedience and then their immune system became strengthened and God himself empowered that one to go address what needed to be addressed in a way that nobody else could address it? Hey! Yes, and then there is Peter. Peter. Peter would not fit into our rank-and-file Christianity system of today. Peter cussed. Cussing. Cussing guy. He didn't just cuss. He cussed when Jesus was hanging on the cross. And he's over there trying to convince people he has nothing to do with the expanding work of Jesus in the earth. He said, I have nothing to do with the expanding work of Jesus in the earth. And he cussed to convince them. I don't know who he is. I don't know anything. And he cussed, bringing down curses on himself, cussing. And while he's cussing, you hear what I'm saying, while he's cussing and Jesus hanging on the cross and Peter saying, I have nothing to do with the expanding work of Jesus in the earth, God's eye never left him to give the inaugural address at the New Testament birth of the church in the expanding work of Jesus in the earth. I don't know if you understand. Hey, I'm preaching now. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I just say, hey, I don't even know why. How fascinated Peter must have felt to be used by God. Not when the rooster crowed, but when he stood on that day of Pentecost, right after, saying, I have nothing to do with the work of Jesus in the earth, turning, being used by God as the antidote to declare the work of Jesus is in the earth. Have you been bitten by the devil? See, we took it, we look at our past all wrong. All of your suffering, 
all of your pain, everything, lots of worship team, if y'all would make your way on up, all of your suffering, all of your pain, all the stuff that came your way and almost knocked you to your knees, I want you to hear me. All of the suffering, you, you got to understand there are dreams God has in store for your life. And your life is perfectly equipped with the experiences your dreams require. Because all things work together for the goes of love and are called according to his purpose. I don't understand what I'm saying to you from the intellectual standpoint. I just know it's true. All of the pain, all the suffering that almost killed you, knocking you to your knees, making you feel secretly worthless... God wasn't trying to kill you. He was trying to make a cure out of you so he would release you to leave your world a more redeemed place as a result of the deposit of Jesus that I'm talking to in this room today. Mm. Because you survived, because you went through your situation and you survived, you built up an immunity. And there are others that need that from you right now. You survived abuse. If you survived addiction, if you survived rape, if you survived betrayal, if you survived willful sin, whatever it is that you have survived in your past, God wants to take the pain of your past and produce something purposefully curing to the world around you. There is hope for every person in all humanity on this planet, and you and I carry that hope deep within our soul. Come on, you ought to just shout and declare today, Jesus! Let's be very clear. The book of Jude is a message of great hope, and it points out very clearly that there were false teachers in his day saying you could do whatever you wanted to do and a measure of grace produced the waving of consequences and that's a lie. Parents need to hear me say this. Parents, love does not equate to the waving of consequences. In fact, when you waive the consequences with your children, you are training them in erroneous behavior and they will possess an entitlement mentality that never understands that there are consequences for things that I do wrong. We have to help our kids learn. We want them to learn by instruction, but if they're not willing to learn by instruction, then they're going to have to learn by correction, but they're going to learn these lessons one way or another. God the Father wants us to learn by instruction. That's what your Bible's for. He wants you to learn by instruction. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. He wants you to learn by instruction. As that coach Constance talking about is talking to you on the inside and you're realizing right now, some of you are realizing there's something in you that's producing chaos and it's not under the, the mantle and under surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jude is saying, don't listen to these liars that are in this grace message that, that, that cause you to think you can do anything you want and be consequence-free. That is not true. 
It doesn't change the fact that God loves you, just like it doesn't change the fact that a parent loves a child, but there are consequences that come to our behavior. Come on, let's stand. God wants to take your mistakes and make them a cure for others. Are you convinced of that? God wants to take your mistakes and make them a cure for others. But that cannot happen until you respond to the behold, I stand at the door and knock to deliver you out of where you've been. And the less you pay attention to the knock, quieter it becomes I believe that there comes a season where the knock's gone quiet and God in his grace brings it loud again but be careful there is something in scripture about being turned over to your sin that you would suffer the consequence of your behavior so that your soul would not be lost eternally. Lord Jesus, I believe that I have said what you asked me to say with courage, with boldness, with confidence and I ask Lord that you would do what you always do you would respond to the way we respond to you I pray God right now you would reach deep in our hearts reach deep in my heart Lord Lord where we fell for the tricks of Satan and took the bait swallowed it only to find that now there's a hook in our soul holding us captive, taking control, trying to destroy everything about us. Lord, how you long to turn us into a cure. I pray, God, that we would address the things that need to be addressed by admitting the things that we need to admit and walking in a place of greater freedom. In Jesus' mighty name. here and you don't know Jesus, or you're here and you do know Jesus, but you know there are issues of sin God wants to deal with in your life to set you free, to liberate you, and to cause you to become a cure. I want you to lift both your hands high in the air. God wants to address some things deep within us today, deep within us. I sense a deep work of the Holy Spirit. Take advantage of this opportunity. There are waves of, of seasons of time. I'm not even sure why, but God just takes those moments in time and various times to address and deal with things that are within us. Lord, you see the hands that are raised in this place. Lord, you see my own hands that are raised that I want to not just be an example up here to say what to do, but I want to admit I'm raising my hands asking you, Lord, to deal deeply in my soul. Awaken what needs to be awakened by the Spirit of God. 
So anything, Lord, of the enemy or of my flesh would be dealt with. Lord, we as a family want to respond to you and say, God, we must go deeper in the things of God. We must not wallow in issues that the enemy has tried to feed us as a lifestyle, but we must become the cure that you have called us to become. May our lives not be wasted because we didn't have the courage to rise up out of the distractions that the enemy tried to keep us contained with. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. If you put the prayer on the screen this morning, I want us all to pray this prayer as a declaration of the Lordship of Christ. We're taking steps forward in our relationship with God. Come on, let's say this out loud. Jesus, we thank you that you came, you lived, you died, and you are alive. You are who you say you are. You are the Savior of the world. Today, I confess my need for you to save me from my sins. You are my salvation. Teach me to be more like you every day for the rest of my life. Amen, amen, and amen.